When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin (laughs) another grand experiment? I am. I am very, very ready. Let's go! Alright, let's give it a whirl! Let's give it a whirl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're so happy you're here. and We're so happy you listened to the show. And Chandler, isn't this show going to come out right before New Year's? Yes. uh, If uh, you are listening to it on the day that it comes out, uh, we are uh, getting very close to New Year's, wrapping up 2023. This is very exciting. I'm ready for 2024. What about you, Chandler? Yes, I'm very ready for 2024. <laughs> okay, well, we have to say that there have been worse years than 2023, but, um, you know, I'm looking forward to 2024. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's th- there were highs and lows, um, <laughs> but uh, 23 seemed to be a very long year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, let's uh, hope that we have lots to celebrate in 2024. I like this. Uh, well, uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, we're doing things a little bit different with this episode. Um, I have already made the chart uh, ahead of time and sent it to mom uh, without any of the uh, biographical information, um, as it is possible uh, that uh, with uh, uh how beloved this figure might be in our own household, uh, having any of the information might make it to where mom knows automatically who we're talking about. Uh, and so just to try and keep the playing field even, uh, we have redacted all that information and mom is just looking at the chart. Uh, she is going to do her best to give a blind reading of this chart, telling us what she can about the uh, mystery history guests, uh, different uh, aspects of their personality, their characteristics, the fortunes. Uh, And then a little bit I will uh, reveal who our guest is, give a little background about the person, and then we will uh, come together at the end and figure out uh, how accurate the chart was at predicting what that person would do. Uh, So uh, without any further ado, uh, the only information I'm going to give you is that this is a male uh, Mm -hmm. born in 1946. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm really stumped. I, I have no idea right this minute of who this could possibly be because I'm like, wow, I don't know. We've already done Elvis. We've already done John Wayne. We've already done Dick Clark. So, wow. I, I don't know, but I will be very excited to learn. So I'm just going to start with, um, reading the, um, planets and their degrees. So we have, a person who has their ascendant at 18 degrees Libra, all right, on the first house. And then their sun is two degrees Capricorn. Their moon is 21 degrees Capricorn. 
Their Mercury is 16 degrees Sagittarius. Their Venus is 22 degrees Scorpio. Their Mars is 5 degrees Capricorn. Their Jupiter is 19 degrees Scorpio. Their Saturn is 7 degrees Leo. Their Uranus is 19 degrees Gemini. Their Neptune is 10 degrees Libra. Their Pluto is 13 degrees Leo. Their North Node is 11 degrees Gemini. And their Chiron is 5 degrees Scorpio. Wow. Okay. So, we have a person who has their Chiron in Scorpio in the first house. Chiron is the wounded healer. So, this could be a person, if this birth time is correct, who either had, um, Issues with their appearance or how people see them or is very, um, how their, their appearance is very important to them because it's healing. It's something they have to heal and it's in Scorpio. So this could almost be kind of like healing from death and rebirth, healing from sort of some sort of physical changes in their appearance and then healing others but also having Chiron in the first house they could just heal people almost by being there is healing so there's that um then we have second house cusp is Scorpio and we have Jupiter conjunct by degree Venus in the second house that is very lucky with material things and valuables and possibly having a lot of money and having it be because Jupiter conjunct Venus is really a good, a very good aspect. It, it makes you have more wherever this would be. They would have so much more. Uh, or be lucky in that area and lucky in love and lucky with value and valuables and how, how they value things. And then in the second house also is Mercury in Sagittarius, which would make them kind of, um, it could be no filter on their communication because Sagittarius can have no filter anyway. Because they're just going to tell you the truth, you know, and they can be very funny and very sarcastic and it's in Sag. So it's like, all right, um, this person should have been, I don't know, I'm going to say this person was to the point or to the truth or something along that line. It has to, it's the second house. So it's having to do with, values and valuables and mm, second house money day-to-day -day money third house has sun conjunct mars in capricorn and that is communication and siblings and youth elementary school uh this kind of thing so somehow this person, I think, communicates like they, they must, their, their, their job is to communicate, but it's in Capricorn. So it must be, however they communicate, they must make money doing that or they work communicating. Cause then this person has moon at 21 degrees Capricorn not conjunct the sun or Mars. And it's in the fourth house because this third house cusp is Sagittarius. And that's where the sun and Mars are in Capricorn because we're doing Placidus houses. But this person 
has fourth house cusp Capricorn and their moon is in there. So that is very significant with mother and women. And moon and Capricorn can be a very difficult um, relationship with the mother. It can be. Or the mother could be older, an older mom. Fourth house is the home. So there's something significant there. Fifth house cusp is Aquarius, and there's no house, there's no planets in that house. Sixth house cusp is, but having the fifth house cusp be Aquarius, this person would have a very unique way of entertaining, entertainment. It could be new. It could be a new way of entertaining, a new, a new technology of entertaining or entertainment or leadership, whatever it is, it's new and it's different because it's Aquarius. So, and it's also, it could be humanitarian. It could have to do with humanitarian things. Um, I think that's very significant for some reason. Humanitarian entertainment. And there's no planets there. So then we have um, six house cusp is Pisces. There's no planets in the six house, but Pisces is how you, how I mean, six house is how you work, your day-to-day -day work. It should be very creative. Um, no planets in that house, but very creative with the work. Seventh house cusp is Aries because the first house cusp is Libra. Um, no planets in that house. But seventh house cusp would probably make this person um, authoritative in his relationships. He should be. Eighth house cusp is Taurus. And we have the North Node in Gemini in the 8th house. Very interesting to have the North Node in the 8th house because the 8th house is ruled by Pluto and Scorpio, and that's death and rebirth. Putting their South Node in the 2nd house, and their South Node would be what they're more comfortable with, what they're more familiar with, which would be values and valuables and things like that. And they have Jupiter. And Venus, actually, let me take that back. Because this north node is in Gemini, the, the opposite of that is going to be conjunct their Mercury. So they have south node in Sagittarius in the second house. Hmm. This person wants to be or is used to being an adventurer. And probably funny. I don't know why I keep coming up with funny. But Sagittarius is funny. And Mercury and Sagittarius. North Node in the 8th house has to do with all of these death and rebirth. And possibly things that no one else wants to deal with. They're, they don't shrink away from it. Because it's 8th house. But it's communication because it's Gemini. Ninth house cusp is Gemini and they have Uranus in Gemini in the ninth house. So there could be an innovative way of travel, an innovative way of mm, communicating education, higher education, university level education. Um, it's, it's Gemini and it's Uranus. So it's new communication or or spontaneous travel for communication reasons am i hitting on anything yes wow okay um 10th house cusp is cancer and their midhaven is at 20 degrees cancer so somehow their career has a nurturing aspect to it Unless their career is literally like cooking, like they are, they are a master chef or something like that. And then this person has Saturn 
at 7 degrees Leo and Pluto at 13 degrees Leo, conjunct by degree by the orb in Leo in the 10th house. That could spell show business, like really powerful show business, really, and meant to be because it's Saturn and lessons with that power and or leadership because it's Leo, but it should have something to do with their career. And then their 11th house is Leo. There's nothing in their 11th house, but um, that leadership ability is there with that 11th house Leo leading groups of people or in front of groups of people, shining light for groups of people. And then the 12th house cusp is Virgo. Um, which would give them kind of a, a very organized subconscious behavior. Virgo on the 12th house. Virgo. Uh, and this person has Neptune in Libra in the 12th house. That would be very beautiful. Like Neptune in Libra in the 12th house could be very creative person of beautiful things or creating beautiful things, creating, um, it could be film, like creating beautiful films. Um, I don't know. I mean, I honestly have not got a clue. So do you have any questions for me? Uh, what do you think you do for a living? There's a lot going on here. So somehow they're communicating because, well, if they're following their North node, they are communicating. Okay. And their North node is conjunct their Uranus. So it's innovative, innovative, new, new way of communicating, I would think. And somehow about maybe the world or world travel or something because it's the ninth house which is ruled by jupiter which rules those things world travel higher education things like that but definitely intellectual or and or funny because he's got this polarized mercury in sag which is can be very funny and then he's got north node and uranus in gemini which has to do with communication and also fast and and possibly funny, but both of these could be highly, highly intelligent. So it could have something to do with that. With this Saturn and Pluto, I mean, I know there's a whole bunch of people that were born with Pluto and Saturn and Leo, and they were not all in show business because that would be an entire huge generation of people that were in show business. But I mean, the likelihood is right here. He's got Saturn conjunct Pluto in Leo in the 10th house of career. So highly possible could be show business, but could be a leader. And then this Neptune in Libra, beautiful things, beautiful imagination, beautiful mind. Uh, so there's all that. Somehow a communicator, uh, something to do with leading. And, and this is all about, you know, I mean, it's ch it's also children. So the career could have something about communicating to children. It's possible communicating to children because it's Leo. How would people respond to him? I would think that people would think he was great. Like he, I would think they would think he was, you know, handsome and easygoing and uh friendly and gregarious and communicative um i would think so i mean he's got leo on his 11th house they might follow him what do you think he'd study in school new communication because he has his elementary third house communication his son and his mars are there in his if this is the right birth time 
and then his ninth house is Uranus. So it is more, it's a lot somehow having to do with communicating, maybe new ways of communicating something different, something that people haven't done before, or a new way of doing something that people have done before. It's innovative because it's Uranus in the ninth house, as far as school is concerned. You know what I mean? He might not learn the way other people do. He might, he might have his own way because it's Uranus and Aquarians, Aquarians, well, they, they can, they, they can be very innovative and individual. I, I'm going with that. I'm going to go with that. What is his relationship to religion? I think that he could have a very unique relationship to religion because here he has Uranus and Gemini in the ninth house. If these houses are right, it would be different. It could be very communicative, but I think it's different. It's unique. What is he looking for from a romantic partner? He doesn't have anything in his seventh house, but he has Aries on his seventh house cusp and Taurus because it's because it's um, Placid's houses. So a little less than halfway through, he has Taurus coming there. So I would think he was looking for someone long term loyal. Um, and someone who keeps him. Um, I don't want to say keeps him entertained, but keeps him interested. Like there's always like someone who is long-term and steady and responsible to him, but also interesting and, and doesn't get boring because people with Aries placements can get bored really quick. What is his relationship to work? Well, he has Pisces on the sixth house, and then a little ways into that, he he comes in, it, Aries comes in, but his sixth house cusp is Pisces, so it does need to be creative and ima imaginative, but also it needs it needs to move pretty quick, and it needs to be maybe. Um, goal-oriented or project-oriented because of the Aries placements. You you can't get, you don't want this to get bored. You Aries are great at starting things and getting them going, but then they want to start the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You know, it's not going to be one long job. They like to do projects because they don't want to stick with it forever. They want to do the next thing. What is his relationship to controlled substances? Well, he does have Neptune in the 12th house in Libra. Um, I mean, he has Sun conjunct Mars in Capricorn Cap with Moon in Capricorn. So... The dark side of Capricorn can be addictive. Um, I don't see anything that screams addict to me in this other than this Neptune in the 12th house could give him that tendency. But it's Neptune in Libra, so it's more pretty than, you know, than, than addictive. But dark sides of these could be addicted. What is his relationship with his father? Well, that depends. Because if his father, see, because Capricorn, Capricorn can be the best dad or almost like the worst dad. Because Saturn rules Capricorn and Saturn is the father. Tenth house is also... 
representative of the father. So he has Pluto conjunct Saturn in the 10th house. That could have been like a really controlling, powerful father. But if he's got good, you know, if he's dealing with good things, then he could have a great father because it's, you know, Capricorn in the third house. He could have communicated really well with his father. Sun conjunct Mars. Maybe they didn't see eye to eye, but Sun conjunct Mars can make for a very ambitious Capricorn, you know, very ambitious because it's Mars, it's passion, it's movement, it's goals, you know. I mean, I'm looking at the aspects to that. He doesn't have anything in Aries. He does have Neptune in Libra. Well, 10 degrees. So it could square that Mars, but more by sign, not by degree, and make his father mm, confusing or veiled or not there. But it's a wide degree, you know? I see more issue with having Moon and Cancer, a Moon and Capricorn, personally, because I know that one. <laughs> that can be bad with his mother how would he relax mm, he doesn't have really relax <laughs> I don't see so much relax here um he's got that Jupiter and Venus in Scorpio that could be bad. But it's in the second house, so... Hmm. How would he... Re I, don't, I don't know. I don't think this person relaxes very much. I don't see him relaxing. <laughs> Maybe when he's asleep, he relaxes. But... Uh... I don't know. It's possible that Jupiter conjunct Venus in the second house could give him substances to help him relax. But I mean, this person is not much of a person to relax. I don't think. What is his relationship to water? Well, his midhaven is in Cancer. His 10th house is in Cancer, which is water. His Jupiter and his Venus are in Scorpio, which is water, and his Chiron is in Scorpio. Um, I mean, his sixth house cusp is Pisces, so he could work on the water or near the water. And he has Neptune in the 10th house, and that is ruled by Neptune rules Pisces, which is water, and that's karmic. Um, he doesn't have like a stellium in Pisces, which is ruled by Neptune, which I would be like, oh, well, He's absolutely, you know, all watery. But I mean, he could work near the water or work on water, like on a boat or near the water, because it's Pisces. But that would be very literal. You know what I mean? What is his legacy? He has North Node in the 8th house. His legacy would be his direction and communication. Somehow, his legacy deals with um, moving forward, moving, something dealing with communication over the airwaves, over, uh, over air, air. But that's usually more Aquarius. You know what I mean? Air. Um, I'm going with something having to do with communication. Because that's what's in his eighth house. He has North Node in Gemini in his eighth house. So even it could be a writer. It could be a, you know, a, a radio personality or something like that. And new and different because of the Uranus conjunct. You know, it's a wide orb, but they're still conjunct. Do you have any other final first impressions? I think I would like this person. I think that this person, uh, my personal, because of my own moon in, in Capricorn, kind of feels for this guy with his moon in Capricorn. But maybe it worked out. Maybe he got a great mom, you know? 
Well, I think we're ready for a summary of our findings. <laughs> okay. First thing you said is that uh, he might have some issues with his appearance, or, mm -hmm. or his appearance is important and needs healing. There may be physical changes in his appearance that uh, transfer themselves into healing others, uh, healing people by being there. Mm -hmm. uh, he would be very lucky uh, with material things. Uh, he has a lot of money. Uh, an abundance. Uh, he is lucky in love and in valuables. Mm -hmm. uh, he might not have a filter in communication. Uh, <laughs> he could be very funny, sarcastic, but also be very to the point. Mm -hmm. uh, his job is communication, and that job makes a lot of money. Uh, there is a difficult relationship possibly with the mother or possibly his mother is an older woman. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a unique way of entertainment, very creative work, authoritative in relationships. He wants to be an adventurer. He is funny. Uh, there is an innovative way of travel. There's new communication. There is travel for communication. Mm -hmm. uh, his uh, career has a nurturing aspect to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be very powerful in show business. Mm -hmm. He is a creative person uh, and creative. He, he creates beautiful things. Uh, innovative communicator about the world. Mm -hmm. He is intellectual and funny. Uh, mm -hmm. There is show business, uh, imaginative, uh, beautiful mind, uh, mm -hmm. communicating and healing, uh, communicating and leading, communicating to children. Mm -hmm. uh, people would think he's great. Uh, mm -hmm. He would be handsome, easygoing, funny, communicative. Uh, he could have followers. Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, might study communication. He doesn't learn the way that others do. Mm -hmm. uh, he is innovative and he is an individual. Mm -hmm. uh, he would have a unique relationship to religion. Mm -hmm. uh, he would be looking for a longtime loyal partner. Uh, mm -hmm. Someone who keeps him interested uh, and someone who never gets boring. Mm -hmm. uh, his work would need to be creative, quick, and goal-oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, he is great at starting things, but not necessarily finishing them. Mm -hmm. uh, there are lots of projects. Uh, he could have a controlling father, uh, but he also could have good communication with his father. Uh, there may be an aspect of them not seeing eye to eye with each other. Um, the father could be veiled uh, or distant in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, this person doesn't relax. Uh, he could work uh, on or near water. His legacy is communication. He is always moving forward. Uh, his legacy is tied to the air and airwaves. Mm -hmm. He could be a writer, a radio personality. Whatever he's doing, it is new and innovative. Mm -hmm. And he has mom's seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea whose chart this might be? I have no idea who this is. I'm like somewhere in... There's some place in my mind, like, this is Dean Martin or this is Captain Kangaroo. Or is this Mr. Rogers or this is, I don't know. I have no idea who this is. You know, I think that one could describe him as the uh, child of Dean Martin and Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> um, this person was born on Christmas Day. 1946, uh -huh. Uh -huh. in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Uh-huh. This is the astrological birth chart of Jimmy Buffett. Oh, no! Oh, my gosh! Okay. Jimmy Buffett was a Capricorn? What the heck? Well, he's born on Christmas Day. I know, but I didn't know. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, you just told me he was born on Christmas Day. But, okay, yeah, I don't think. I mean, we know Jimmy Buffett enjoyed, like, some herb. But I don't think he was, like, a super addict. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
oh, I can't wait for you to tell me all about Jimmy Buffett. Uh, so, uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, was born uh, on Christmas Day, uh, one o'clock in the morning, uh, Christmas morning, uh, in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Um, he was born uh, to Mary and James Delaney Buffett Jr. Uh, lived uh, his first early years around Pascagoula. It's right there on the Gulf of uh, Mexico. And coming from a long line of sailors. Uh, his uh, grandfather, uh, James Delaney Sr., uh, was a uh, merchant sailor, had been all over the world many times, uh, and both his father and grandfather had been in the Navy. Uh, the a little bit later growing up, uh, he would move to Mobile, Alabama, and then Fairhope, Alabama. Uh, and he uh, would grow up listening to the stories of his grandfather's adventures, um, going all over the Caribbean, all over the South Pacific, um, and uh, being there uh, in uh, uh, the Gulf of Mexico and sailing. And uh, that was just a, a very important part uh, of his culture uh, growing up there. Uh, in interviews, he would talk about how uh, being so close to the Gulf, uh, being uh, uh, that there was a difference between um, the this French tradition of being uh, uh, right there near uh, the ports in the Caribbean uh, and uh, just a little bit farther north, that's where you get the real rednecks. And he said that uh, <laughs> his family was afraid of all the real rednecks. Oh, no. Um, so uh, he, he, there was a separation uh, of this New Orleans culture, mobile culture from more of the traditional Southern uh, culture. Uh, and everything about his later career is is sort of the mixing of uh, Southern culture with the Caribbean, mm. uh, because that's what he grew up in, uh, in uh, uh, Mobile and in Pascagoula. Uh, so uh, he and he just heard all these stories about uh, pirates and uh, the Caribbean and all these far off places and always wanted to go to uh, all these uh, different places. He did not do very well in school. Um, but he did very well in English, uh, mm. and his mother always wanted him to be um, a, a great Southern writer like William Faulkner or mm. Flannery O'Connor. Um, and uh, he was a voracious reader, any book he could find, and he loved Mark Twain, um, especially because of all the travel stories that uh, Mark Twain published. Uh, so that was uh, one of his uh, favorite authors. Um, his father uh, wanted him to follow in the family tradition of going into the Navy, maybe becoming a Navy pilot. Um, he uh, grew up in a Catholic family, and uh, Buffett would uh, grow up being an altar boy, uh, which is something that he uh, talks about a lot, uh, either in interviews or in songs about, you know, how crazy it is for a former altar boy to be having this crazy party. <laughs> Um, but uh, it, it, he has a very unique relationship to religion that mm -hmm. was formed from uh, uh, his time in the very orthodox Catholic church that he went to and then mm -hmm. going through the 60s and 70s and opening uh, his mind to all sorts of different um, ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, he would graduate uh, high school from the McGill Institute in 1964, and he went to uh, – he enrolled in Auburn. Uh, university in Alabama. Oh. And there, uh, his freshman year, uh, he got bunked in. Uh, his roommate was uh, this guy named Johnny Youngblood. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was a, a big dorm uh, room, uh, a dorm building, and he's uh, sharing this dorm room with Johnny Youngblood. And there's a lot of parties that are all going on. And uh, Jimmy starts looking around and seeing that he... Uh, there were a whole bunch of girls around, but now all the girls are gone. And he goes back into his room, and all the girls are around Johnny uh, mm. because Johnny has a guitar. Yes. And uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, says, uh, I got to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> That's <laughs> and right. uh, so Johnny uh, says, I, uh, Jimmy, all I know is three chords, but that's mm. all I need. And yep. uh, so Jim Buffett said, teach me those three chords. <laughs> uh, and uh, he picked up the guitar and uh, he, he liked it and he liked all the girls that liked it. Um, 
I liked it maybe a little bit too much because he wasn't really focusing on his studies and mm-hmm. uh, he would be kicked out of Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, he, uh, his father uh, was paying for him to go to school. Uh, oh and so uh, he had to keep going to school, especially because we're now getting into Vietnam. So if you're not in school, you're going to get drafted. So uh-huh. he's looking around uh, for uh, schools. He goes to a, uh, a community college, Pearl uh, River uh, Community College. And then uh, uh, he gets some of his grades up there. But uh, he's on this trip to uh, New Orleans. <laughs> and he is going through um, Hattie's, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and uh, he sees all these uh, beautiful girls in their turtlenecks uh, walking around uh, uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And uh, uh, he sees them with all these textbooks, and he sees that there's this uh, university here. So he decides, I'm just going to go to school here. All right. And uh, so he went to uh, the University of Southern Mississippi. Okay. And uh, this was close enough to New Orleans to where he would go every week weekend down to New Orleans. Uh-oh. And uh, that was really that was really his education was on <laughs> Bourbon Street. I bet. Um, and uh, he uh, would play on the street corners. He would play in the bars. Uh, he eventually gets a band together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't really want to be the front man of the band. He didn't want to be the leader of the band. He wanted mm-hmm. to be kind of in the background with the bass, uh, just uh, just play enough so that he could get more girls. Okay. Um, but uh, he was the only one who had credit at the music store. Okay. Uh, so he was the only one who could get equipment. Uh-huh. And now that it is the equipment in his name. He mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that the equipment was taken care of. Sure. So he became the person in charge of the band and he mm-hmm. became the front man of the band. That's good. Uh, and uh, so uh, he is uh, working out his balance of school and uh, uh, New Orleans, uh, with <laughs> New Orleans being a little bit bigger piece of the pie. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, he uh, is still. Uh, going through school and he uh, does graduate with a double major in journalism and history Ah. and uh, graduates in 1968 and then moves uh, to New Orleans Uh, and uh, he is playing with the band he eventually gets the Bayou Room which was the big deal on Bourbon Street uh, uh, and he plays there regularly and he was thinking really I've made it this is all I've ever wanted out of life <laughs> um, was to play the Bayou Room in New Orleans. Okay. If I could just keep doing this, he tells this story uh, about how um, this is where he really learned about putting the audience first, but also where some of the conflicts between um, art and commerce uh, really come into his life. Uh-huh. Uh, they these were guys who were playing folk music and uh, acid rock, and okay. um, they were playing in uh, on. Uh, uh, Bourbon Street and this old time uh, Southern Democrat guy comes in and he wants to play play Dixie. I want you to play Dixie. Oh, play Dixie. Okay. And uh, they're saying, well, uh, we, we don't do that. We're doing this folk music. And the guy pulls out a hundred dollar bill and he uh, rips it in three and puts it on the stage and says, you can have that and you play Dixie. And Jim Buffett uh, turns right around and starts playing Dixie. <laughs> I bet. Uh-huh. That's uh, a lot of Capricorn right there not to be playing Dixie. Yeah. Uh, in uh, 1969, uh, he gets married uh, to Margie. And uh, he's doing so well in New Orleans. People keep telling him, hey, you could go to Nashville. You could uh, get a a record deal. And Mm -hmm. he starts listening to him. And so in 1970, he moves to Nashville. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not, I mean, sure, Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings are around, but they're not really around Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, They're outlaw country out in Texas or maybe Bakersfield. But Nashville was Jim Reeves and Ernest Tubb and Porter Wagner. This was classic Nashville sound country. Uh And here Jimmy Buffett shows up on Broadway and Nobody wants him. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what to do with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this influence, I mean, uh, already his music is this combination of rock and folk and calypso and all these different influences that none of which fit into the Nashville sound. So he finds uh-huh. it very difficult even just to play in bars in Nashville, mm-hmm. let alone get a real good record deal. Mm-hmm. He does manage to get a record produced, and then he even gets another one recorded, but the 
record company loses the masters. Uh, and then uh, when he becomes famous a few years later, uh-huh. they miraculously find the masters. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, he's not making enough money doing this. So mm-hmm. uh, he has this journalism degree and he goes to Billboard magazine and he becomes a journalist for Billboard. Uh-huh. And because of that, he goes all over the country yeah. interviewing all of the movers and shakers in country <laughs> music and getting to know them and networking with them. Uh-huh. Uh, and the relationships that he made during this part of his life really uh, cemented uh, his rise later on because mm-hmm. now all these people were familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he, but he's still not making a lot of money. He's in a huge amount of credit card debt and his marriage is failing. And uh, in uh, the fall of 19, in November of um, 1972, um Jerry Jeff Walker says, anytime you want, come down to uh, my place in Coconut Grove in Miami, Key West. Oh, heck yeah. And uh, so Jimmy has never been down there before. Mm-hmm. And so he goes there and it's November and it's 70 degrees. Yes. And he had just left Nashville where it was snowy and cold and um, he just fell in love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, uh, I think I'm getting the story right in that he goes back up to Nashville he gets the divorce with the wife. Mm-hmm. He leaves the wife with the house and the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, he takes his expired credit card and gets a plane uh, covering up the expiration date uh, and, and gets the plane to Miami. All right. And uh, he's completely failed out of the music industry. He is working as a first mate on a yacht. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he's getting odd jobs on shrimping boats. And he <laughs> no. finds his way to um, to Key West. And Key mm-hmm. West in the 70s, some people describe it the same way you would Paris in the 1920s. It is mm-hmm. this artistic um, uh, colony. There is a burgeoning uh, uh Arts, artistic, homosexual writers, uh, but there's also a Navy base nearby. So there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of sailors and uh, pilots around and mm-hmm. there's regular, I mean, real pirates who steal things all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and all of the, this huge cast of characters that make their way into every one of his songs and books. And every, I mean, they're all real people who are there. Mm-hmm. Tennessee Williams uh, has a, a big a place down there. And uh, Jimmy is starting to make his way through the bars and playing uh, his songs and uh, Tennessee Williams uh, asks him to play at uh, his pool parties. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy Buffett is playing at these pool parties with Tennessee Williams and Truman Capote and all these uh, great artists and writers. Um, And uh, Tennessee Williams loves Hank Williams music. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, Jimmy Buffett is playing playing Hank Williams at Tennessee Williams' uh, place in uh, Key West. Okay. Uh, And uh, so he is uh, just... Uh, uh, living his uh, best life. He has this uh, shack that is next to a uh, pub tavern place. Like, literally, they're one fence apart. He would call to the pub and they would, uh, uh, for food, and they would, like, room service it over to his house. So he doesn't have to cook if he doesn't want to. Uh, He is living uh, the best uh, beach bum life. But, um, you know, there's still this unfulfilled like he he hasn't gotten his message out there he hasn't made the album that he wants to make uh-huh. so he continues to play in all these places also uh in uh, 1973 uh, first he gets signed to another record company mm-hmm. uh which was more focused on folk than traditional country music and that uh really helped mm-hmm. um uh, and then uh he also uh meets uh Jane uh, and so Jane would become his second wife. But the mm-hmm. story around this is that um, everybody is high and drunk. Um, okay. Uh, all, I mean, all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, Jane is there with a couple of her sorority friends, and they're all the same size, and they have one good pink dress that they share between them. <laughs> and so Jimmy Buffett remembers uh, that there's this beautiful woman in this pink dress. Oh, no. Um, and uh, there's three girls who are all wearing the same pink dress. Uh-huh. And throughout the rest of the week, he uh, has dates with each one of them. 
oh, each no. of them wearing the pink dress, and none of them know that they're all seeing the same person, oh, and he no. hasn't really, in the fog and the haze of it all, figured <laughs> oh, it out no. yet either. Wow. Uh, but, She's quite uh, the variety. Yes. Not going to get bored with this. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Uh, but uh, th- there is a uh, uh, th- there is a fight that breaks out, and uh, Jimmy has to get everybody uh, calmed down and figure out that because he did know who Jane was, kind of, and mm-hmm. that th- that was the one that he was really aiming for. Uh-huh. Um, and through that, the, their marriage, there would be some rocky points, um, but uh, last all the way uh, until he uh, passes away. That was mm-hmm. uh, uh, the woman for him. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, he's also starting to get uh, 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 recordings. Uh, so he uh, records uh, one album, then he records a white sport coat and a pink crustacean, that album. And that's uh, released in October of 1973. Uh-huh. Uh, Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time, uh, Come Monday. Uh, so he's starting to get gigs outside of Florida. Mm-hmm. Really, that's where most of the money is coming in at this point Mm -hmm. is from live performances. And that Mm -hmm. would be a theme that continues through the rest of his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, he talks about the story behind come Monday. He's uh, starting to see Jane and he really loves her. Mm -hmm. um, But this whole life on the road is very hard and difficult. And uh, in one story, he talks about um, sitting in a Howard Johnson's uh, uh, really thinking about ending it all. Uh And um, the lyrics to come Monday uh, come to mind and he starts writing it down. He credits that song with saving his life. Wow. Um, uh, Then in uh, December of 1974, A1A, which is uh, my personal favorite Jimmy Buffett album. uh, Uh That's where you get uh, A Pirate Looks at 40, uh, Migration, uh, Trying to Reason with Hurricane Season. By 1975... Uh, he is opening for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, uh, when um, Jane and Jimmy get married, the Eagles are their reception band. Wow, that's uh, crazy. And then he uh, uh, is is um, uh, he's playing the the circuits all over the country. Uh, he's uh, ending up playing a lot of coffee houses in Austin, and on a very hot summer day in Austin, 1976, uh, he uh, goes into a Mexican food restaurant, and uh, <laughs> he has some of the best margaritas of his life, Yeah, and uh, he gets on the airplane to go back to Miami, and in three minutes, he writes down the lyrics to Margaritaville. All right. Uh, three minutes and then there's a huge traffic jam getting back to Key West and in that hour he finishes the whole song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be uh, his biggest hit and uh, it would also be the last hit that he would have for nearly 25 years. Oh, no! uh, so from 1977 until 2003 um, he really doesn't make the charts mm-hmm. uh and uh but i mean it's this anthem that people who don't even know who jim buffett is know about the song margaritaville yes. it's uh played everywhere and uh, it created this whole lifestyle or at least cemented it into something yes um so from that point he's not he hasn't ever really made a whole lot of money in records and record sales right um and the record companies are kind of uh uh, doing their swarmy thing with uh how much royalties they're paying to him so he finds himself um kind of down and out and what he realizes is that people are making money off of him Mm -hmm. that there are people who are selling margaritaville Mm t-shirts and he realizes well if somebody's going to be making money, it might as well be me. And right. so he gets with a business partner and they create a T-shirt shop in Key West for Margaritaville. Mm-hmm. And 1984, that turns into a restaurant. And uh, uh, he starts realizing that there's all these other avenues to make money. Mm-hmm. If the records aren't going to do it, then it needs to come from merchandise and it needs to come from live performances. So he yeah. has an absolutely grueling uh, schedule. And uh, uh, with the whole uh, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, he's enjoying uh, the, the uh, schedule 
to a certain degree, <laughs> enough of a degree that in 1980, he and Jane separate. Uh, uh, they don't get a, an actual divorce, but they do separate and they don't reconcile for another 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, but he is uh, out there uh, uh, enjoying all the things that are available to him. Uh-huh. Um, but in 1984, he uh, talks about once he's getting closer to 40 he he talks about how the hangovers felt more like surgical recoveries <laughs> and uh, that uh, that was time to taper things back a bit and from mm-hmm. that point on he was uh, um, not living the same kind of lifestyle that he was in the uh, 60s and 70s mm-hmm. Um, throughout the 80s, uh, there are uh, lots of other uh, great albums. The, the catalog continues to grow, but um, none of them are really big chart-topping hits. They barely make the charts at all. But mm-hmm. there is this fan base um, that follows him wherever. And by 1985, yeah. they have the name of Parrot Heads. <laughs> yeah. um, and what's really interesting, and journalists would go in because these people are not just layabout bums. No. Most of them were um, and still are uh, highly elite professionals. We're talking yes. about surgeons and uh, 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 doctors and lawyers and stockbrokers mm-hmm. uh, who are all clamoring for the little bit of beach life that Jimmy can give to them yeah. through uh, his songs. And they have these uh, huge uh, tailgate parties and wear these outrageous <laughs> costumes and make sets uh, that follow them <laughs> into the arenas and bring blenders and all sorts of crazy stuff with them. Um, but it, it, he he always talks about how he, he was so surprised to hear that um, surgeons would play Jimmy Buffett music in the OR to calm their nerves wow. while they're working on patients. Wow. Um, and and uh, that, that that's that it, it's... What what he always wanted was to bring all of this music to as many people as possible mm-hmm. from all walks of life, and and that's um, what he uh, ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, people by the late eighties and early nineties are uh, starting to figure out that Jimmy Buffett wasn't able to get his foothold in Nashville uh, early on because they were trying to put him into a genre, uh, whereas he had created his own genre. That's right. Um, and so people talk about what exactly that genre is called. So, um, it's often called trop rock. Um, some people call it golf and Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people call it drunk rock. <laughs> um, uh, all of these are acceptable names. Mm-hmm. Um he uh, by the eighties, uh, the late eighties, he starts uh, his uh, literary career. He starts writing books. He mm-hmm. writes uh, tales from Margaritaville, and going into uh, the nineties, uh, uh, he continues writing books. Uh, and um, in uh, nineteen ninety, he reconciled with Jane, and they start. Uh, they move to Long Island, and they have. Um, Two daughters and an adopted son. Mm-hmm. Um, by the 90s, the Margaritaville brand just skyrockets. There are restaurants, resorts, casinos mm-hmm. that wrap all the way around the globe. This is where you get into a bit of, I mean, there are lots of people who have lots of critiques about Jimmy Buffett and um, his business practices that he's not really living the life that he's telling everybody that he's living, mm-hmm. which... Um, is it, it, there are aspects of truth in that, and that mm-hmm. he is one of the hardest working people yeah. in show business. Yeah. Uh, really, he doesn't take a break. He doesn't uh, just sit on the beach uh, for days and weeks at a time mm-hmm. sipping a margarita because he's touring all over the world and mm-hmm. he has meetings with uh, 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 all the people running the business empire of Margaritaville. And mm-hmm. uh, he uh, ends up... Uh, um, Investing with uh, uh, Warren Buffett, which is of no relation, but they call each other cousin and uncle. Um, and so he has these huge uh, – uh, uh, the, the, there, there's this other part of his personality that is all connected to uh, the business empire and growing the investments. Um, and uh, they also talk about how uh, uh, the, he he talks about the genuineness of – uh, the Caribbean culture and lifestyle, yet by creating these resorts and hotels, he is allowing people to have a shield so that they don't actually go into the authentic Caribbean experience. Right. Um, uh, which 
I mean, someone was going to build the resort anyway, and so he sure. decided it might as well be him. Yeah. Um, I kind of see him fitting into the themes that occur to a lot of these um, uh, avant-garde uh, uh, boomers uh, of the same age group, like George Lucas and Steve Jobs, who all come up at the same time mm -hmm. uh, railing against the establishment it's... and uh, corporatism. Yeah. Then because of how successful they are, they have to create these corporations and run the businesses mm -hmm. so that they can continue to make the art that they want to create. And they get into this vicious cycle where they turn into the very things that they were rallying against in their youth. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all of that to say that uh, 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 it's still, uh, if you don't think about all of the uh, corporatism and greed and all that, it's still a lot of fun just to go to these places and, and listen to the music. Mm -hmm. um, in 2003... Uh, Alan Jackson uh, makes a song Five O'Clock Somewhere and uh, asks uh, Jimmy Buffett uh, to sing the final verse on the song. Mm -hmm. uh, he worked all of five minutes on the song <laughs> and made uh, millions and millions of dollars and finally got uh, a country music award for it. All right. Um, uh, uh, and uh, Jimmy Buffett's uh, work continued well into uh, the 2000s, the 2010s. Uh, he uh, made new albums in 2019 and uh, one just this year in 2023. Um, in 2019, he was uh, diagnosed with a rare form of skin cancer. Oh. And uh, in May of this year was uh, hospitalized, went into hospice, and then passed away on September 1st of 2023. Yeah. Um, uh, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, uh, I, I I don't know what to what what to say. Uh, I, I I love him very much. <laughs> I love all of his music. Um, I've been in some dark places in my life where Jimmy Buffett's music helped me. Mm -hmm. um, I've been uh, the uh, one of the. Uh, reviewers talking about Jimmy Buffett said uh, that you can put a Jimmy Buffett tape on and if you are happy, Jimmy will make you feel real happy. And if you are sad, Jimmy will make you feel real sad. Oh, no. Um, he has uh, a unique ability to uh, uh, take the the highlights and lowlights of life and uh, put them all against a tropical uh, landscape. And uh, I, I've sort of become the entry point for people uh, of, you know, in my own friend group. And I tell people there are some serious Jimmy Buffett songs and mm -hmm. there are lots of silly Jimmy Buffett songs. Mm -hmm. And ironically, Margaritaville is one of the serious ones. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Uh, uh, that there uh, is just so much out there and uh, it's become a running joke within the family that uh, Christmas uh, uh, is is uh, one of the true reasons of the season is uh, that Jimmy Buffett was born on Christmas Day and we always <laughs> like to incorporate some tropical element into our uh, Christmas plans. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, if you haven't already, if you only know him because of Cheeseburger in Paradise, <laughs> go and look into the albums uh, especially the ones in the 70s and the 80s, uh, and, and um, uh, listen to all of the tracks on something like A1A or um, Coconut Telegraph because uh, the, the, there's uh, so many uh, wonderful treats uh, in store there for you. That's awesome. I love it that you did this, Chandler. And I would like to reiterate that I said this could be Captain Kangaroo or Mr. Rogers or Dean Martin. And you said possibly if Dean Martin and Captain Kangaroo had a baby, it would be this man. Well, I just want to say that I think Jimmy Buffett is the Mr. Rogers for adults. Yeah. Because what he did is he told the stories. He was communicating North Node in Gemini in the eighth house. His legacy is communicating in a different way. He is a bard. Mm -hmm. He was singing the stories. It's very accurate. This chart is very accurate. And his whole corporate self with all this, you know, stellium in Capricorn, that makes sense. I'm just surprised his mother you know, was great <laughs> because it can be really hard when you have moon and Capricorn, but also his presence was healing. He was very yes. healed. Jimmy Buffett is a very healing man. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so fins up, Jimmy, you fins rock up. fins yeah, up. Absolutely. 
Well, um, that's awesome. This is a very good way to bring in 2024 Chandler. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we lost Jimmy this year. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I think as time goes on, um, the same way that I think of 1977, the first thing I think of is that Elvis died that year. Um, I think for the rest of my life, when I think of 23, I will think that we lost Jimmy this year. Um, but, um, how many gifts he left uh, behind and his final album being uh, published uh, after his death. There are so many um, wonderful things on that album. The the Bubbles Up song, uh, I don't know if I'll ever be able to listen to that without tearing up a little. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful song. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, Jimmy would, would want the party to keep going on. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so uh, we will make sure that we keep doing that for him. Yeah. Um so uh I think yeah on us on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space this is uh, absolutely uh, right on the money. <laughs> this is uh, who uh, uh Jimmy Buffett was. Awesome. Thank you Chandler. Um I'm really excited and honored to have done Jimmy Buffett's chart especially for our New Year's program 2024. So that's very exciting. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Um, Well, uh, that brings us to the end uh, of this episode. Uh, We'd like to thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to reach out and support uh, the show, we have uh, all sorts of links provided in the show description, uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. There are all sorts of uh, episodes from our uh, first season that are published on there uh, that uh, you can uh, take a look at and follow along uh, with uh, the chart readings there. Uh, Please uh, subscribe uh, to that channel um also uh, uh if you are on apple or you are on spotify please uh, leave a rating and review uh for this uh, that helps us a lot in growing the show as does uh if you so uh, uh feel it you can uh, donate to our paypal account every little bit helps us in making a better quality show and growing our audience uh and if you would like to be your very own mystery history guest we can make that happen just uh email chandler's mom at history and retrograde.com mom can get with you about all the details on how to make that happen absolutely and i'm having a wonderful fabulous time chatting with all of you guys and doing your charts and working with you on a monthly or weekly basis is amazing and i love it it's the it's my most favorite ever of anything i've ever done i just feel so happy and excited to work with you guys it's a lot of fun you can get through to us uh on anything we do at our website, www.historyandretrograde.com. You can email me straight from there. Um, I just don't even know how to describe the warmth that I am um, experiencing with all of you guys. It's just really wonderful and I love it. So please uh, contact me and I would love to work with you on your charts and transits and everything. And uh, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses uh, are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome 2024. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Fins up. So long. Salile Creek Studios.